Greetings, friends. Welcome to Chapter 8 of the Eldritch Grimoire, a continuing segment in the Shamans and Sith podcast. Today's episode brings to fruition a four-part series concerning Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo, Rey the Scavenger, and Luke Skywalker. The aim of this series has been to shed new light on the principal mythological functions and aspects of the sequel trilogy. While it was not my original intent, I hope that this effort has provided the viewers and listeners of this podcast with new perspectives on and understandings of these much-criticized films, as well as the principal characters within them. Notably, the sequel trilogy was conceived, developed, and completed under the multinational overlordship of the Disney Corporation. These films were largely written by committee, and at times altered in response to box office returns or ostensibly prevalent social media attitudes. Several characters, including Kylo Ren, literally began as concept art without any narrative context or mythological intent beyond looking cool. Nevertheless, the patient devotion of the authors of the novelizations of the sequel trilogy and other supporting media, which continue to be produced and now span every Star Wars era, have fundamentally enriched these films. These works have constructed a larger context that we can and should consider a mythogenetic zone no less crucial to Star Wars canon than the prequel and original trilogies. Accordingly, this episode explores the oft-maligned spiritual and pedagogical path of Luke Skywalker through the sequel trilogy. It illuminates Luke's perhaps less obvious parallels with developments in the Arthurian cycle, such as the quest for the Holy Grail, the final acts of King Arthur, and the fall of Camelot, while elaborating Luke's role in the sequel trilogy's primary Freudian trio together with Kylo Ren and Rey the Scavenger. Overall, Chapter 8 thus reveals how, in the aftermath of the original trilogy, Luke's failure and exile ultimately drive the redemption of Ben Solo and the triumph of Rey the Scavenger over the shadow of the Sith, personified in the cloned body of Emperor Palpatine. As briefly elaborated in the previous episode, Chapter 6, Luke's parallels with the King Arthur legend in the original trilogy are both clear and intentional. Hence, these have been discussed thoroughly by scholars and fans for decades. Beyond these obvious similarities, however, lies the ancient mythological framework built of commonly held spiritual notions that gave rise to both the millennia-old popularity of the elementary idea personified in King Arthur and to Luke Skywalker's enduring legacy as a global cinematic hero. At the base of the journeys of Arthur and his knights, as well as the paths of Luke, Rey, and Ben Solo, is their direction, i.e. whether they follow the left-hand or the right-hand path in mythological terms. These paths were defined in the opening of Chapter 4, Episode 6 of this podcast, concerning the arc of Darth Vader. What is salient here, however, is that so-called Western heroes typically follow the left-hand path, the way of individual development that leads into the deep, the forest of becoming, where they confront their fate with their destiny, facing the absolute to realize their heroic, i.e. individual, potentiality, even if this leads only to death in this infinite void, as is often the case. In the sequel trilogy, this is the case for the trio of Rey, Luke, and Ben. All three enter the narrative trapped within a deficient right-hand path that constitutes a flat circle without beginning or end, 
and all three ultimately follow a left-hand path that leads to their death and redemption. Concerning Arthurian legend, among the Knights of the Round Table, it was actually considered a disgrace to confront the Deep, the Serpent of Chaos, as a group. Hence, each knight embarked on the quest for the Grail, that is, for knowledge of the Absolute, or, in Star Wars, of the Cosmic Force, alone. They thought it would be a disgrace to go forth in a group. Each entered the forest, the forest of the adventure, at a point that he himself had chosen. where it was darkest and there was no path. Indeed, the Grail can only be found in this forest, this abyss, because it is the engine at the center of the universe, the cosmic force at once beyond and encompassing all reality that emanates the living force. The Grail is the vessel of inexhaustible vitality. It is that fountain in the center of the universe from which the energies of uh, eternity pour into the world of time. The grail. It's in each of our hearts, that same energy. From the perspective of cosmic valor, then, a spiritual path to the grail, to the absolute, is viable only when it is at once individual and novel. So they entered the forest at the point that they had chosen where there was no path. If there is a path, it is someone else's path, and you are not on the adventure. That which we intend, that which is the journey, that which is the goal, is the fulfillment of something that never was on the earth before, namely, your own potentialities. Thus, Luke Skywalker's journey in the original trilogy represents the spiritual, i.e. Arthurian, journey of George Lucas's intended audience. Furthermore, both Luke in the postmodern era and King Arthur in medieval times are representations of an elementary idea in humans that has been most clearly and consistently demonstrated in Western Europe for tens of thousands of years. The primordial need and inclination to obtain individual knowledge and understanding of the transcendental which is the true path to the fulfillment of one's unique potentialities in the field of time. Arthur, Artehe, was revered as a god. He's originally a Celtic god. And the place where we find him revered is down here in the Pyrenees, a couple of miles from Lourdes. And the name Artus, Arthur, is related to Artemis, Arcturus. All of these are related to the deity, the bear. And the bear is the oldest worshiped deity in the world. We have bear shrines going back to Neanderthal times in just this part of the world from uh, perhaps 100,000 BC. A largely neglected aspect of Arthur with regard to the salience of his path to Luke's journey in the sequel trilogy is his status as once and future king. This constitutes a medieval development in the Arthur legend, as Joseph Campbell explains. The Bretons are the people who left south of England to go to Brittany. And a legend grew up among them 
Arthur was the great defender. He will return. He will restore us to our motherland. This is known as the hope of the Bretons. Although the details vary widely, in general, the initial event that leads to the completion of Arthur's Ark is the affair of Sir Lancelot and Queen Guinevere. As king, Arthur and Camelot are one. Thus, when the psychological wounds of this affair lead Arthur to cut himself off from the land, in this exile of his soul, this removal of his destiny from his individual spiritual path, Arthur becomes trapped in a flat circle of living death until his and Camelot's connection is restored by and to the Holy Grail, to the Absolute. The restored Arthur therefore realigns his destiny with his fate on his left-hand path. He immediately confronts the Serpent of Chaos, embodied in his nephew and son, Mordred. Mortally wounded in this battle, Arthur then surrenders Excalibur and physically departs the mortal plane, and Camelot with it, for Avalon, for the Cosmic Deep. Mythologically, this conclusion suggests to the audience that Arthur's legacy is at once beyond time and accessible to all who must live within it, provided they follow their own path into the Forest of Becoming. The essential elements of these final events in Arthur's life pertain directly to Luke's arc following the original trilogy. Although the contexts could not be more dissimilar, King Arthur confronts unthinkable chaos in the affair of Sir Lancelot and his queen, just as Luke Skywalker confronts unimaginable horror in the withered body of Emperor Palpatine. Having confronted the embodied Serpent of Chaos in the form of Darth Vader in The Empire Strikes Back, the Luke we encounter in Return of the Jedi is psychologically scarred and physically maimed, a true hero who steadfastly and consistently exhibits cosmic valor. Akin to Anakin in Episode 2, Luke is thrust into this heroic adulthood in Episode 5 through a confrontation with the Serpent of Chaos, a villain wielding the dark side. In this case, however, this dragon of death is Luke's own father, and the revelation of this leaves psychological scars that run even deeper than Luke's anguish at the loss of his right hand. Again, similar to Anakin in particular, and Western heroes in general, Luke's display of cosmic valor amid the sacrifice of his hand permanently alters him, rendering him somewhat monstrous through the addition of a lifeless mechanical appendage. In contrast to Anakin's brash adolescent arrogance in the first act of episode 2, however, Luke is almost killed in the opening scenes of The Empire Strikes Back by a terrifying wampa. Luke's appearance is permanently altered by this first encounter with the embodied Serpent of Chaos. His triumph in this encounter and subsequent proximity to death, brought about by his calm surrender to the living force, to Jedi Dharma, thereby brings him closer to the cosmic force. This entails that while Luke straddles the threshold between life and death in the frozen wastes of Hoth, for the first time, he is able to not only hear, but actually see the Force Ghost of Obi-Wan. Hence, as an Arthur proxy, Luke is set forth upon a new quest by his Merlin proxy, Obi-Wan, a quest into the Forest of Destiny, where Luke must forge his own left-hand path. Notably, just as Luke was alone in his cockpit when he destroyed the Death Star, Luke is alone when he faces the Wampa and then encounters Obi-Wan, whose ghost represents the Force the Serpent of Order. Indeed, 
It is this individual Arthurian quest for the fulfillment of potentiality via the attainment of knowledge of the transcendental force, of the absolute, of the grail in the void, that renders Luke the main character in the original trilogy. That is, Luke Skywalker constitutes a novel, cinematic embodiment of the same Arthur who, according to Joseph Campbell, represents an elementary, spiritual, and psychological tradition that is at least 100,000 years old. Accordingly, Luke always encounters the Serpent of Chaos, whether the Death Star, a Wampa, the Sith, Kylo Ren, or even his ultimate fate, alone. Like Arthur and his knights, to be a hero who exhibits cosmic valor, a hero of individual rather than collective destiny, Luke must follow the left-hand path of individual becoming. Even so, as the most recent volume of Marvel's Star Wars comics has elaborated, the scars of Luke's encounter with his father Vader at the end of Episode 5 led to a two-fold pattern that then informed Luke's actions for decades thereafter. In short, amid the galactic lack of any Jedi who could complete his training, Luke began to fear his instincts, the same instincts that had allowed him, just as confidently as Anakin piloted his pod racer, to not only destroy the Death Star, but to also confront Darth Vader, Mortis Ex Machina, and survive. This fear compelled Luke to seek out Jedi texts, artifacts, and relics in the hope that they could provide the answers he required and show him the path that he needed to follow to become a true Jedi. Despite his success in Return of the Jedi, the defeat of Emperor Palpatine, and the redemption of his father, this pattern of fear and submission to Jedi dogma informed much of the remainder of Luke's life. In the aftermath of Episode 6, Luke realized that he was only able to defeat Darth Vader to overcome the Serpent of Chaos through his rage, his instincts. That is, because... Your heat has made you powerful. Although Luke was able to resist the satanic bargain that Anakin could not, and, in this act, to finally and fully embody the Jedi persona that he had pursued across three films, as Luke's ghost elaborates in Episode 9, and we witness in Episode 8, ultimately, Luke's fear of the return of the dark side in himself, his bloodline, and his legacy drove him to abandon his novel, Arthurian Jedi path, and to rely instead on the well-trod path of the decadent and dead Jedi Order. Just as King Arthur's fall from his own left-hand path led to the demise of Camelot, Luke's transition from his own left-hand path to the right-hand path built on defunct Jedi dogma resulted in his betrayal of Ben Solo, the failure of his new Jedi Order amid the death of all of his Padawans, and the rise of Kylo Ren. This right-hand path could therefore only lead Luke to his self-imposed exile from both the New Republic and the Force, similar to Arthur's self-imposed exile from Camelot and the Grail. Specifically, as we learn in Shadow of the Sith and other supporting materials, following the original trilogy, Luke's fears drive him to become obsessed with gathering Jedi relics and manuscripts, as well as securing their Sith counterparts. Reflecting the unalterable loss of his living hand in his first encounter with the Abyss in Episode 5, Luke's second encounter with the Serpent of Chaos in Episode 6 results in permanent damage to the Jedi persona he had constructed in the period between these events. Psychologist Carl Jung first defined the notion of the persona as follows. The persona is partially uh, the result 
of the demands society has. And on the other side, it is a, a, a compromise with what one likes to be, or with what, or as one likes to appear. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, so the persona is a certain, certain complicated system of behavior, which is partially dictated by society and partially dictated by the expectations of the wishes uh, one nurses oneself. Yes. And then you don't know, now, which is the real man? Yes, yes. Is he the man as he is at home or in intimate relations, or is he uh, the man that appears in public? It is a question of Jekyll and Hyde. Yes. Often. Hence, forever altered by his second stand against the Serpent of Chaos, following Return of the Jedi, Luke becomes increasingly incapable of separating the Jedi persona he has constructed from the actual personality of Luke Skywalker, intensifying the very fear that initiated this process over time. As a result, Luke shifts from the dynamic left-hand path of his heroic fate to the regressive and ultimately static right-hand path of a circular religious destiny. In other words, Lacking any further spiritual or pedagogical guidance from his Jedi predecessors, Luke's fear drives him to collect sacred Jedi texts to become trapped by this obsolescent order, this right-hand path, the last relic of an age that no longer exists. This idea, i.e., that there is nothing to preserve in the novel pursuit of becoming, is the notion Force Ghost Yoda aims to instill in both Luke and the audience when he states, We have what they grow beyond. Ironically, the id in Luke's Freudian trio, Kylo Ren, also recognizes this. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be. Arguably, Ben Solo had thus discerned this need for a new path for a novel Skywalker and Jedi legacy even if only unconsciously, from a very early age. Ben therefore initially created Kylo from the legacies he had either deemed dead or felt impelled to kill in order to move beyond them while forging his own left-hand path. In addition, the scavenger Rey feels neither compelled toward nor constrained by the historical dogma of the Jedi Order. As the superego in this Freudian trio, she embodies the elementary Jedi ethos in a manner that Luke aspired to, but could never reach in life, only in death, as this was always his fate. Accordingly, Luke blames his id slash shadow, his dark side legacy made manifest in his nephew, for the failure and inability of his own superego slash persona to address the influence of Snoke slash Palpatine, and thus prevent the destruction of the new Jedi Temple. Luke is therefore the ego in The Last Jedi's Freudian Trio, because when we finally encounter him, he has cut himself off from both the Force and the Jedi, thereby exiling himself from both the right and left-hand paths. On Octo, he is trapped between a superego he has abandoned and an id he has rejected. Hence, akin to Kylo and Rey before Episode 7 opens, Luke's destiny before Episode 8 is limited to a flat circle. That is, he has no path, he has no way. Thus, when Rey initially encounters Luke on Octo, he is wearing ceremonial robes 
because prior to her arrival, he had intended to burn the tree housing the sacred Jedi texts, yet found himself unable to do so. Nor was this the first instance of this failure, which formed an important arc in Luke's flat circle. Indeed, it is only once this tree is destroyed by the Force Ghost of Yoda that Luke is finally able to move forward, to realign his individual destiny with his fated spiritual path, the mystical goal of every true Jedi. Unable to break his equally meaningless and endless cycle in exile on his own, the cosmic force intervenes in the form of Yoda, putting the events into motion that ultimately allow Luke to willfully fulfill his Orlog and face his death with open heart, eyes, and mind. Nevertheless, it is Luke's earlier decision to reconnect with the Force due to Rey's influence that is the catalyst for this development. Returning to his left-hand path thus leads Luke, first, to the acceptance of all his failures, including his recent failure to properly train Rey, his own vanity, and the totality of his emotional and psychological scars, all of which are embodied in the tortured id that is Kylo Ren. As a result, Luke neither judges, admonishes, nor advises Kylo in their final encounter. Rather, Luke simply accepts Kylo for what he is, as well as his own role in what Ben Solo has become. Furthermore, Luke's See it, Ryan, kid. might indicate that in this final act, he has even glimpsed Kylo's inevitable death and Ben's resurrection and final sacrifice. In other words, in expending the totality of his living force, his ultimate act of destiny, and the last step on his left-hand path, Luke looks upon the vast, transcendental tapestry of fate that is the cosmic force, perhaps for the first time. Accordingly, Luke Skywalker dies with peace and purpose, secure in the knowledge that his life, his heroism, his sacrifices, and his failures, the sum total of his destiny, had always been fundamental in the cosmic creative dance of the Force that we call Shiva's Ananda Tandava, and in the ongoing birth pangs of the new age made possible by both the balance wrought by Anakin Skywalker and the horrific actions of the death-dealing cyborg housing his ghost. Even so, akin to that of his father, Luke's spiritual path does not end with his corporeal death. Having resolved the conflict of his own ego with the id embodied in his own Mordred, his nephew and figurative son, Kylo Ren, in his final corporeal actions, Luke prevents Rey from falling from her own heroic Jedi path through the actions of his spirit. Now one with the Force, this enlightened Luke understands that young Rey is already the Jedi he had strived for decades to become, a novel Jedi superego constructed of instincts and love that could never be discovered by following only the right-hand path of the old Jedi Order. From this perspective, Luke's appearance in The Rise of Skywalker is, then, far more than the fanservice many, including me, initially perceived it to be. Rather, it is the means by which Rey receives the mystical Jedi guidance that Luke desperately needed before and after Return of the Jedi, but did not receive until The Last Jedi. In death, Luke is able to admit what he could not accept in life. Over time, his own fear had led him away from his own destiny to repeat the flaws of the defunct Jedi Order, to the fall of both Luke Skywalker and Kylo Ren, and to the exile of the Arthurian hero Luke from any chance for cosmic valor, and even the Force itself. Accordingly, affirming the discussion in the previous chapter concerning Rey's similarities to Anakin Skywalker and Leia Organa, 
Luke bestows both of their lightsabers upon Rey. Yet these artifacts do not limit her to any previous legacy or path. Rather, they enable Rey to complete her own mythological journey, to embody the Jedi superego that she represents in defeating and destroying Palpatine, fulfilling the fate of Rey the Scavenger in death, even as she clears the way for new heroes and new pathways into the Forest of Becoming. Fittingly, Rey's final on-screen action is to bury these lightsabers and ignite her own. The paths of Luke Skywalker, Leia Organa, Han Solo, and even Rey the Scavenger and Ben Solo, through six films and two trilogies, have all come to an end. But the journey of Rey Skywalker has only just begun. This concludes Chapter 8 of the Eldritch Grimoire. Good journey, my friends. Mm -hmm.